The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Apples and honey are nowhere as sweet as me. I am going to be transparent. I did not think of a tagline before we hopped on. But do a real. Do something involving real. In a world full of fakes, I'm as real as they come. Perfect. You guys, it's better than mine, okay? It's <laughs> literally better than mine, and you just improved. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 455, I don't, or six or three. I don't know. Leave me alone. Um, my tagline, of course, referencing Rosh Hashanah. Shana Tova to my fellow Jills, to my fellow friends of Zarin in the ether, to my Kyles, to my Jackies, to my Meredith Marx's. Um, happy New Year. It's the kickoff to the High Holy Days, which is a time in which um, I forget uh, what's happening. And then I'm reminded by um, Catholic friends. So just want to say Shana Tova, which is the thing you say to your fellow Hebrews or people who you know are celebrating the Happy New Year. And, um, you know, we, we rejoice with some apples and honey, typically. And um, one of my favorite guest co-hosts, you know him as someone who always keeps it real, senior TV reporter at page6.com and co-host of the Page Six podcast, Virtual Reality. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Evan Real. Evan, how are we? Oh my God. I'm always so delighted and enthused to come on your show. And thank you, by the way, for coming to our latest live show last week. Or yeah, I can't believe it's been like over a week now. I know it's crazy. Yeah. Um, Thank you for coming out. I hope you had fun. I mean, first off, thanks for having me. Number one. Number two, it's, you know, I'm obsessed. I'm so obsessed with you and Danny and with the work that you do on your podcast, but also in having these live events, which are really, truly so fun. I highly encourage anyone in the New York City area, when you have your next event, you have like a total, um, like a medley, a Dorinda medley of different Bravo Lebs from from all different kinds of shows and everybody is in a great mood, turtle timing, having a blast. I mean, your most recent event had six Bravo Lebs, including 
two people. I was with Tom Smythe, Milk, also known as Milk and Don't Call Me Honey. And Tom was like, you know what needs to happen? A crappy lake with Cynthia Bailey and Sutton Strack. Because turns out they're best friends and were absolutely effing adorable at the event and also had had some skinny girl marks. So not uh, literally skinny girl, but like they'd had a little turtle time before taking the stage. And it yes, was, they did. No, they it were was delightful. It was they delightful. were they were so much fun together. Like the, honestly, during the Cynthia and Sutton segment, like Danny and I didn't even need to be on stage because like <laughs> they just took over. But they were, that honestly is such a great idea. Crappy Lake with Cynthia and Sutton. They're a cute duo. And it seems like there's so much love for both of them that the yeah. combination is just so delicious and so so perfect to to sort of usher in another round of crappy lake did you finish crappy lake no i watched the first two episodes and then there was just so much other stuff going on at that point that i couldn't at a certain point it's like i really truly don't necessarily have capacity for bravo shows outside of housewives because right now we have four franchises on it's just like it's impossible so at that point i don't know what was happening it could have been bethany related or something else i just like did not have time to watch but i will catch up what about you i didn't finish either but i did love the first few episodes but like you said it's just it's been a really busy summer with all the different housewives that are on and I don't know. Yeah, I, it's. I'm kind of happy that I haven't finished it because I can mm. just those sweet, short, little twenty minute episodes for you know, you know, like when you just need a twenty minute episode. Yes. And like, that's what, and that's what I miss so much about like The Hills is mm-hmm. episodes are twenty minutes, but like they packed so much in. And whenever I rewatch The Hills, which I do like probably once a year, it's just that I love the pace of it. Like the pace is so good. You can get through like a whole season in two days. And it's also like, it's not pretending. Well, I guess it sort of was at the time, but it felt like cinema in the way of like, not necessarily egotting, but being really slick. Like everything was really, really glossy. I mean, yes. obviously the the minds behind the hills being behind selling sunset, you can see sort of a direct apples to apples comparison, not necessarily in like, quality because I do think the hills is a better show but but in the ways that like you're throwing a ton of fucking money to make this look like an event and that makes it more exciting for a person to watch oh my yeah it's just like so beautiful that's it doesn't even matter if it's just like Audrina staring into the distance like it like looks so pretty I miss reality shows looking like that and like although I think the housewives are produced beautifully and wonderfully yeah I don't know what it is about the hills that it's just like so cinematic and gorgeous to look at. Because then I was watching some of the hills reboot. I'm like in hills mode because I just interviewed Spidey, who were fantastic. You did yeah, they were they were a good time, and I I love Spencer Pratt and Heidi Montag, and I, I and I think that a lot of people have converted to Team Spidey like mm-hmm. in recent years, and in this like just like sort of. New, it, I feel like we're in a new climate where everyone can understand that Lauren Conrad was not a good friend. And I know that Heidi and Spencer acted crazy and did whatever they did. And they were just like fulfilling their roles of being the villain. But like, if you really break down the genesis of why Lauren and Heidi broke up their friendship, it's be, it's because of Spencer Pratt and Heidi always gave Lauren the space, grace, time, and place to figure out what she needed to figure out with Jason, even though Jason was not a great boyfriend. 
um, arguably maybe a worse boyfriend than Spencer, but Lauren came down so hard on Heidi. And, and even if Spencer had been not a great guy and cut to 15 years later, they're still married and have two gorgeous kids. But even if he like hadn't been the one for Spidey, like Lauren should have given her the space to figure that out for herself instead of giving her like an ultimatum. Anyways, that this is a whole separate <laughs> I could talk about the hills forever. Were you a hill girl? I was a hundred percent a hills girl. I remember once being in Saks 150 years ago and I saw Elsie and Heidi walk through Saks. I think it was like the day of some sort of like MTV. I don't know if it was like the VMBAs or something else or whatever it was. They were still friends, but I like lost my shit because I was like, oh, and I didn't say anything because, you know, I'm a New Yorker, but um, even then as a little babe, I was like, oh my God, they're real people. But the comparison of without necessarily getting into the whole like was Spidey onto something, like was Elsie a good friend to them? I would probably push back more on Team Elsie in that conversation. But what I would say is maybe the sort of re-understanding of Spidey is similar to the ways many of us have watched Vanderpump Rules in that some of these people are terrible. Like, I thought Spencer went out of his way to be a really manipulative, shitty guy on TV because he knew what he needed to do to stay in the cast or stay as a part of the show. And maybe that's a part of this is like you not necessarily needing to defend one person's behavior over the others, over another's, which of course you can also do, but also to say the mechanics of this show are not necessarily about good versus evil, even though the editing would make you believe that that was the case. I think the Hills felt they had more moral authority than Vanderpump Rules has had until maybe even this season, potentially, or the last couple seasons. But also the reason that we're watching it is because we're watching dynamic, complicated, often like sort of clownery style characters engaged in conflict where you don't necessarily need to pick a side certainly in rewatching it it's just more about the experience of like being as uh, being entranced by the environment of it all right that's a really good point i do feel like yeah there is something about vanderpump rules that feels less i mean this past season it was an exception but like yeah Vanderpump Rules does feel less divisive than, say, like, The Hills did. And maybe it's because it's a bigger cast. And, like, I feel like with The Hills, it was obviously very, I mean, not scripted completely, but, like, a little bit more scripted heavily, than Heavily, heavily. Vanderpump Rules was. Yeah. And so I think that there were definitely um, tighter boxes that people mm-hmm. were put into on The Hills where I feel like on Vanderpump Rules, the cast members have a little bit more wiggle room to choose their own adventure. Like, do I want to be shitty this season or do I want to be a hero this season? Where Spidey probably like by season six was like, all right, time to put my villain boots back on, you know? Right. And like the the world and like the slickness and the sort of fancy pants do bro style of even the ways that the camera is capturing what's happening on the hills and selling sunset feels manufactured. Like that's the whole point of it is to feel like yeah. you are on selling sunset until sort of like Christine left. Like you were really watching a soap opera take place in real time. 
versus something like Vanderpump Rules, which is a little bit more kinetic, where it's like a little bit more frantic, where it's like we're getting down and dirty and that's a part of the escapism here. We're not trying to be a version of either prior or current TV or even stuff inside the Bravo universe. It's like the anti-housewives is what this is supposed to be, um, which I think has made it so engaging. For, and also Summer House, I would put sort of sort of in that universe, but not really. Yeah. Do you know what's really interesting is that Alex Baskin, who is the EP of several housewife shows and notably Vanderpump Rules, he was tasked with doing the Hills reboot, the New Beginnings reboot. That, oh. And so that's, I don't know if you watched the reboot at all, but it's it was a very different show than the original Hills. It 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 felt more like Housewives. We had confessionals. Not mm-hmm. everything was like in the scene. Like they had the confessionals to sort of explain what was happening. And it just, you know, it, it, felt, it felt different. But Heidi and Spencer were so excited because working with someone like Alex Baskin, who sort of offers more space for people to choose their own adventure or find their own storyline. Like they were pumped for that because it kind of gave them like an opportunity to not be the villain on Mm. the, but then they said that their former co-stars without naming names, but I mean like Audrina, Whitney, et cetera, were having trouble with not being given a storyline for the season. And Mm. once they were sort of, tasked with creating compelling content or like leaning into whatever what was actually going on in their lives and you know hopefully that translates onto the show they were kind of like stuck with nothing because they weren't used to performing reality television in that way and that's why I think just from like the conversation with Spidey and when they had Alex Baskin on the podcast I think that's why it ultimately like didn't work out um because not everyone seemed to be a team player and not everyone seemed to be like excited about revisiting the hills in a in a, a different production style um yeah i don't know it's weird though when i watched the old seasons of the hills and the city i don't know if you watched the city with when you yeah i, love I did with olivia <laughs> Palermo. Oh, it's just so, so freaking good. i do miss that style of reality show where everything had to be in scene and there were no confessionals. I don't know. I just, I wonder if they could even, I, I don't think there's a show that's like that now. I think everything has like uh, some sort of confessional. Yeah. I mean, often the confessional is the way for the storyline structure to yeah. work out is that that is the thread of either compensating for something that didn't happen in the scene itself or knowing that there needed to be a translate or someone sort of attempting to reset their intentions in a scene that looks far more nefarious or provocative than what they now want us to feel, which might be that individual quote unquote character. It might also be production itself. And it does also get into the conversation of like, what is real here and often the use of or the weaponization of um, you are acting in a way that is manufactured, that's often an insult that's lobbed by any number of Bravo cast members against each other because if you pop the illusion for the audience, like the worst thing ultimately, one of the (laughs) worst things aside from like, you know, you fuck my best friend, one of the worst things that you can say on a Bravo show is like, you're not being real, is that you're performing from a place of um, uh, you're performing 
um, in a way that invalidates the environment and atmosphere of whatever show we're on. And because to do that is to like remove the stakes and possibly change the perception of how the audience is looking that at that individual cast member. It's typically very effective and it's also strategic from the person saying this. All this to say there is a little bit of a connector between your reality live events and the conversation about what 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 is real that we are watching and the ways that we use the sense of reality as sort of like a moral imperative and a certain show that's been in discussion on social and certainly page six, which is Summer House, because the Carl and Lindsay breakup is has turned <laughs> especially negative in the last several days. There was an email that Carl sent out to the attendees saying, you know, apologies, this isn't going to happen. And I'm um, I'm so sorry. And then a follow up that Lindsay posted on social media saying um, that Carl sent that without, you know, my without considering me. And also this whole breakup happened not because I wanted to break up. And I feel like this is a whole situation that's been entirely out of control, which some people have tied back to what Paige said at the last season finale, which was, you guys aren't being real and this is manufactured, either the way that we're presenting our relationship or the relationship itself, which I don't, a lot of people are kind of circling back on and thinking, in what ways could Paige have been right? I mean, I, I'm i someone who... <laughs> typically believes Paige is right a lot of like I, I do love Paige I think that she always uh has has her her finger on the pulse and I think she definitely had her finger on the pulse here because it's yeah it's like uh it it something felt a little off about the acceleration of their love story and I think that now Paige and Danielle can both feel a little bit validated. Unfortunately, it comes with heartbreak for Lindsay. And I, I'm sure that she was blindsided, but Lindsay is also, I believe, a Leo. So <laughs> she takes action. She's fiery. Maybe she's sort of impulsive, but in like the most endearing way. Um, and so I think that she was ready to just sort of like jump head first into this, whereas Carl is an Aquarius like me. So we're like a bit more like methodical, which can be unfortunate because he was probably a little bit methodical when he asked the cameras to show up to film the breakup and then ended up blindsiding Lindsay. I also do want to point out that Leo's and Aquarius's are opposite zodiac signs and typically don't make great make great love matches so it was written in the stars that they weren't supposed to work out oh my god well first off as someone who truly doesn't know astrology (laughs) in any way unless someone is telling me that my sign is great in which i am (laughs) then a firm believer in everything that astrology represents that's an interesting point there and it does also get into the idea of like when you are rushing toward a commitment as significant and serious as marriage, and you're doing this on reality TV, it does sort of ask the question of like, 
what is pushing you toward this so quickly? Are you doing that as a reaction to cast members who are questioning your relationship? Are you doing that because you just feel like I've known this person forever? Why wait? Are you doing that because you are trying to stick to some sort of scheduling parameters where maybe you feel like, yeah, could I see myself with this person forever? Sure. So why not propose to them before, you know, while our show is in the middle of production? I'm doing what's right maybe for my job and also my heart. But, you know, while Danielle didn't necessarily communicate her feelings in a way that um, was helpful at times, and while Paige has a vested interest in dragging Lindsay to hell and back as often as she possibly can, I mean, it doesn't necessarily show the best qualities of either of those women, but it also might be a little bit of an indicator here of like when someone is telling you that something is suspect but you don't trust the vessel itself it doesn't mean they're always going to be wrong right yeah i think i think another part of this too well like not only thinking just just as a as a consumer of the news and as a fan of the show and everything that's been put out so far like i do i guess like i i sway more towards like team Lindsay in this situation um but kind of with what you were saying with like the parameters of filming and doing things on a schedule and like Lindsay is someone who gives her heart soul blood and divinity to being a perfect reality star and so as Mm -hmm her partner carl probably thought oh the best thing for her and for this relationship is to propose on camera maybe schedule the wedding so that we like maybe get some sort of tv special etc whatever whatever so maybe carl was like also working at a pace that wasn't comfortable for him but he could have been working at that pace because lindsay is someone who seems to move quickly and jumps into things head first and you know sort of lives her life for and by the show i don't know so maybe that's why he was just like i can't do this anymore and i've got to stop it and then everything else has been on camera so i might as well call the producers for the breakup too i don't know i don't know i'm I'm interested to see like how it plays out but craig just told my coworker caroline uh, that Lindsay and Carl had a really rough summer and that the breakup's going to make a lot of sense once people see the next season of Summer House. So I, I think there's a lot that we don't know. It would be wild if there hadn't been some sort of argument or tension um, that the cameras weren't able to catch. Like, it would be wild to me if there wasn't tension that we saw throughout the show. But then how do you know... If a person breaks up, obviously, you're going to be like, well, I saw them at a bad spot. But we saw that with Amanda and Kyle. And it was like the question of, is is her name Amanda? I just like literally lost my mind for a second. Yeah, Amanda. Okay, cool. (laughs) Like with Amanda and Kyle, I mean, they were fighting like motherfuckers the entirety of their relationship, including especially in the lead up to their wedding. So it's not like... So if Amanda and Kyle had broken up, I'm sure the conversation would have been like, and yeah, if you saw that season leading up to their wedding, of course, that would have made sense. And yet they got married and are still together and are, you know, working on their relationship and seem to be in a 
relatively good spot. Like with this, it's I don't disagree with Craig that surely there will be indicators of why this breakup happened. But also, like, what is that really saying to us? Like, ultimately, you know, a person can act in love because they are in love and they're in the relationship. They can also add another level to that if they feel the pressure of performing happiness in their relationship on reality TV. But I don't know how I don't know how to differentiate the clues that we might see in advance of a season in which we know that this engaged couple is no more. Yeah, I know. It's going to be interesting to sort of like connect the dots as the season plays out. I also, I don't know. I kind of also feel like Carl and Lindsay are two people who could like end up rekindling and that could like that. They got that gorgeous apartment. They have that, which was like, was this in page six that I read this somewhere? It was like, 15 or 17,000 a month, something in nuts in rent that they were paying, which is like an insane amount of money that they absolutely, this is where I get into the like, are you spending this money because there are camera crews here? Are you spending this money because you feel like this is the kind of spot you want to pay to live in? You know, that's where it gets into the nitty gritty of like how much of my living expenses um, are a write-off <laughs> because I feel that I have to prove something as far as what I have, where I have the capacity to live. Right. I also do wonder, because I know that some reality stars have finagled free rent in exchange for promoting. Yeah. So I don't know if I've ever seen them like promote the building that they live in, but I know that like Dorinda Medley used to do that. She had a deal at some right uh, over near like Sutton Place. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that something? Is that right? Something plays. You're totally and right. I think Peter Weber from The Bachelor also did something similar at in like a building around like um Tudor City or like Midtown East or something. So I don't know if, that, if that's what they were doing, more power to them. And I am so jealous. Also, wasn't there like some like old school fashion influencer girl who was doing that? Tav- Tavi, what was her name? What was that girl? Who oh, was, like, yeah. Tavi Gunvalson. I Gen- totally fucked up Gun- her name. Tavi Gunvalson. Yes. Tavi related to Don Gunvalson. Tavi, yeah. the <laughs> second cousin of Don. Yeah. No. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. She got into a little bit of uh, she got into a little bit of hot water because of that. Um, And also, like, you know, I'm watching the reaction. I get into more of this on a Patreon episode that will be out this weekend, um, which is called um, Step Into Fuckboy Fall, because it's talking a little bit about this and some Tom Sandoval updates, because that man does not know how to stop showing his true colors. But, um, you know, when it gets into the conversation of, like, how to unpack the Lindsay and Carl of it all. I think, I mean, when they first broke up, I thought of, or rather when their proposal, uh, when their engagement ended and I assumed that a breakup was forthcoming, which it was, um, I thought a lot about their appearance at one of your events, which was like Valentine's themed and very, very heavy on as we've seen on the show, like Lindsay very much carrying a lot of energy in their relationship. Now that's a live event. It is in and of itself a bit of a performance. You're in front of a ton of people. And so there is that aspect of it too, of wanting to like be received well and have funny quips and all of that good stuff. 
but also like getting into the nature of a dynamic that maybe worked for them until it did not. Like, what's your reaction to all of this as someone who has been up close and personal with them as a member of the press and also a, you know, Bravoholic? Well, there, uh, Lindsay's display at the live show was definitely really interesting. She kept it, <laughs> kept things exciting. And she was very spicy. Fun. Yeah, she, she was very, very spicy. spicy. I really, um, I mean, I will say like I was, they, they came to us at the last minute asking to be a part of it. We hadn't reached out to them. Um, oh, what? Yeah. We didn't even reach out. Um, they, they came to us and we were, all, we were very excited. I, I, I guess we were so much in like housewife, a housewives mindset that we just didn't think to reach out to them. Um, but we were very excited when they wanted to be a part of it. And we were so excited that we made them the finale of the night. Cause we know that a lot of our audience is very much into summer house. We're like, Oh my God, this is great. Let's capitalize on having Carl and Lindsay. This is, this is amazing. So then we had them on last and Lindsay just couldn't wait to get on stage. And before, <laughs> before we even announced her, she comes yeah. walking with her hot pink Barbie number. And I'm like, well, hello, Lindsay. And then like, I think <laughs> Carl was a little confused. Yeah, and Carl was walking from like yeah. another direction. They came. So we should have known then that they weren't on the same page. Um, they were, they were fun. They were, I mean, Lindsay was definitely having like a good time mm-hmm. and then vibing. Carl did request na beers before we got right. everything like days in advance so she was very much committed to having a good time he was very much committed to his sobriety and i not that that means anything but i do often wonder like how tough it must be for those relationships to flourish when like someone has had such a, a journey with addiction and, and alcohol and stuff. And then the other person hasn't and lives fun and fancy free as they should. But like, I just feel like sort of meshing those two lifestyles together could be and would be tough. Like I think that, and everyone's different and this is, I'm not like a moral compass for anyone, but I think that if my partner was sober, like I probably would just kind of like be, 98% sober with them too. You know what yeah. I, mean? I don't know. I just can't imagine that that was an easy part of the relationship. And I don't even know why I'm bringing that up right now, but I'm just with Carl and Lindsay, like I, that is something that like I do think about just because it's not even like Carl was like someone who like Ashley Darby was like sober curious and it's just like giving it a try. Like he, he had to give it up for good. So I can't imagine that it's easy to navigate a relationship when you too are just have different relationships with alcohol. Yeah. And also, you know, as we have seen on Summer House and surely we will see in the upcoming season, Lindsay's relationship with alcohol is, I think, complicated because oftentimes sort of Stasi style, she has this like dark passenger that comes out where she drinks to, I don't even know if it's excess or just to release. And oftentimes her release has something to do with some element of anger or rage. And I don't know how a relationship figures itself out if there is a conversation that maybe should take place about like the things that you're saying when you feel comfortable saying them and what role alcohol is in that, which is not in any way to say that Lindsay might have a relationship with alcohol that needs to be evaluated, that would be very presumptuous. And I would say, like, possibly irresponsible for me to say, without knowing this person at all. 
but what I'm trying to get at is like the relationship that Lindsay might want to evaluate is the one with herself of like, what is the thing that's happening here that involves alcohol, but is not solely about alcohol. And then on top of that, I think that there's been a conversation online that, you know, is like, what did Lindsay do that some people had initially? And there's also been a conversation online of like, listen, we've seen a lot of growth from Carl, but also he joined the show as a massive fuckboy. And who's to say that a little bit of that hasn't once again come out? Like, it doesn't take away from his growth. It doesn't take away from the challenges that he's faced either. Right. I know. That's a good point, too, because you kind of forget, like, he sucked. He was a piece of shit. Did begin on the, the show. Yeah. I mean, it's like everybody focuses and remembers, you know, Lindsay's complications, but Carl had a lot of them, too. And so, I mean, it is a little bit of a wait and see. I do want to transition a little bit from this because I think that there is a, a through line to Orange County in the obviously ongoing battles between Jen and Tamra, which are about Ryan, if you ask Tamra, and about Tamra, if you ask Jen, of like, what are we trying to get at here? And who is doing Jen, in Jen's eyes, the most wrong? What's your feeling after what I would call yet another flawless episode? (laughs) (laughs) It has been a really good season Mm. of The Real Housewives of Orange County. Like Every episode is delivering, and I'm so happy for that. I think that with the Tamara and Jen stuff, Tamara is someone who understands the assignment of being a real housewife. And she's known Jen for a few years and she's aware of these skeletons hiding in her closet. And any good housewife rattles those bones, throws them on the floor, sees who wants to pick them up. You know, and it, like it's it was inevitable that Tamara was going to bring this up and make Ryan's infidelity and past indiscretions a thing. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. 
Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDESGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDESGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. I just came back from the salon and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. 
And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash andesgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andesgirls. Sign up today. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom or a maternal figure in your life? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you want to ask. Then she can either type up her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I want to know about the stories of how my mom and dad grew up. What's the first thing they remember after they were born? That's one of the questions I sent to my dad after signing up for my life in a book. And I can't think of a greater gift to give my dad in sharing his stories and to receive. It's super easy to use. My favorite part of it, as someone who sometimes lives on turtle time and forgets (laughs) about sending or receiving email, is that they reach out a couple days prior to sending questions just so I know of what questions they're going to send to my dad, if I want to change it for another question or customize it with something that I want to know. It's that kind of specificity and care that I love so much. This is genuinely an incredible, incredible gift. There's no greater present than I could give a family member or a loved one than to participate in this kind of meaningful appreciation for the entirety of their lives, separate from my own. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom or loved one this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com with code Andy's Girls for 10% off today. And thank the Jills, Aaron, and your life and mine. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. 
To participate, simply fill up an Orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And I think that maybe Jen, I mean, not being a real housewife ever before in her life, it's hard to understand what the experience is like, I'm assuming. But having been friends with Tamara, seeing Tamara behave like Tamara in real life on the show, probably having seen many episodes, if not seasons, if not several franchises of The Real Housewives prior, I think that Jen maybe should have expected that this would become a thing and maybe she should have prepared herself a little bit better, especially with the way Ryan has decided to participate in the Real Housewives experience. I think it would have been smarter of them to sort of like come up with a plan to do some, you know, like some preemptive damage control. I don't know. I just, I, I do understand that it probably feels like a massive betrayal to her with the way that Tamara has sort of moved through this situation. But like, what did you expect? I mean, the darkest part of this is like, what if what we're watching on TV is their version of damage control? Like this could be Ryan on his best behavior. Okay. I didn't think about that. That's, (laughs) that is bleak. That is, is, but I don't think it's wrong. And like those shots on the most recent episode of like, yeah, Jen is constantly talking to, it's something that Taylor referenced of like, he couldn't have an affair. They talk on the phone too much. And it's like, no, that's, Maybe that's why she's always on the phone with him to see where he is because she's concerned he could be somewhere that he's not supposed to be, which is like, it was so interesting to me that table that like last conversation between the group was so interesting to me because you had representatives of so many different kinds of relationships. You had Vicky saying, you know, Tamara, you can't force this. Like Jen needs to get it for herself. Like as much as you tell a person that they're in a bad relationship, they have to understand that for themselves, a la Brooks. You had um, Gina being like, sweetie, like, I don't think this is working out for you. You seem to be making a choice to be with this person. Why is that? You have Tamara who's upset at Jen because she feels like Jen is lying about this relationship and in doing so is being a bad friend to me when I am telling what I think is the truth. You have Jen who's like performing that this relationship is better than it is, but also shouldn't be the point of conversation and contention. I mean, and you have Heather (laughs) in shock. You have Emily laughing while talking about the fact that which I can't even I've seen that moment so many times I really can't even say it without laughing because it's so funny but like Emily it's not supposed to be funny but it was like so funny where she was like yeah even my mom heard that he's a fuck boy and she's like yeah Perry works out at the same gym she's 78 years old and then the camera has to go off of Emily because it's like I'm sorry I I could not stop laughing I laugh when I think about it, it was such a funny moment but and then you have so Shannon good. who's who just wants to sort of silently I think support Jen but know that you know Jen's not in a great relationship but spoiler alert neither is Shannon you know that there was a lot going on at that table and ultimately I think the conversation and confusion for Jen is like what does it mean for this person to be a friend is 
the best form of friendship um, participating in group denial. And I think that's something that Shannon is trying to push as well. Yeah. How are you feeling about Shannon, your favorite housewife of all time? Like, are you are you good? I'm super good. I think Shannon's really complicated and making terrible decisions. And a lot of people are like, it's Shannon's season. And I would argue every season is Shannon's season. And uh, I think she's in a in a really unfortunate spot in real time, which makes me feel really sad about the fact that she and John are spending some sort of form of romantic time together. And like the most devastating point for me in watching this episode is watching Emily talk about the ways that Shannon feels self-conscious appearing in a bathing suit on camera, that she feels like her body is going to be compared to her body in seasons past. And also on top of that, that some of her, um, some of her fear about showing her body on camera is because John has been potentially body shaming her. And that is information that I believe Shannon told Emily and probably maybe, maybe, maybe does not probably said while she was a couple, you know, martinis deep or whatever it was, skinny marks. And I believe that it's true. Like that was devastating to me to think of Shannon, who is someone who is incredibly sensitive at many areas, including how she views her body and how her body has been used as a punchline. Um, and to think that sh- her partner, her romantic partner, is using it as a way to not like control, but just make her feel bad. I mean, it's that was like really upsetting for me to hear. Yeah, I know. I, I hated hearing that too. And it's like, that, but that part makes me so sad that if that's the reality of their relationship, which they're no longer together, but they still seem to hang out quite a bit. Um, I think they're together. I think she's saying that they're not together the way that Vicky used to say that about Brooks because she didn't want to deal with the pushback. So it was like, we're not, we're kind of broken up or like not really broken up because we're still fucking because we don't want to deal with you guys yelling at us if I say that we're still together. Right. I know. I, okay. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with you. They're, they're probably still together. They hang out a lot like they're together. Um, but if that was ever the reality of their relationship, if, if that is true, that he was body shaming her, that just like makes me really sad for her. And it makes me sad that she continues to hang around him and want to be with him. And she, every woman deserves better than to be body shamed by their partner. No one on this planet deserves to be body shamed, especially within mm. a relationship. And it just, yeah, that that really troubles me that she would continue to like go back to him. But I mean, you do crazy things when you think you're in love. I've been there in crappy relationships where I, you know, with toxic people and I just, it was hard for me to leave them. So one day, hopefully if that is, if that is the case and if that is, that's how John operates behind closed doors. I hope that Shannon sees the light and that we find her a good guy. Cause I just, I want her to be happy on all fronts. I feel like when Shannon is a happier person, the Bravo verse is a happier place. <laughs> I, I do. I really don't like seeing her in these like dark spots. It makes me very, very sad. Like, especially like even like at Dr. Moon's office when mm-hmm. he's like 
literally like physically pushing the negative vibes out of her gut. I'm like, I don't want her to be in a spot where she feels like she has to have someone grab on her tummy to squeeze out the bad vibes. You know what I mean? Although I'm very curious about what a Dr. Moon session is like. I would love to do that. Like we need to like plan a trip to Orange County and book an appointment with Dr. Moon. I don't care how much it costs. I'll do it. Oh, I was thinking about that nonstop. I 100% absolutely am desperado to have an appointment with Dr. Moon. I do believe that he's probably like an incredible healer. And I also think the problem for Shannon is like she's making this colonic, but she's refusing to apply it to her relationship. Like we need to get to the heart of this like block of shit that's existing that's not good for you and for your soul. But instead, we're focused on other practicalities and this is the thing is that like Shannon is still dancing around the like you guys are reaching you know the way that maybe other people talked about like Heather and Terry is a comparison or like let's you know think about other relationships that have been that people have attempted to um put under a lens that might feel like grander than what's actually needed like with Shannon, she keeps talking about this whole, and it was like a part of th- definite through line of the new episode and of the last several of like, they're just grasping at straws here. And what we're fighting about is not a big deal. And the problem for Shannon is that Shannon herself, unlike the Jen Ryan stuff, which is ultimately hearsay, Shannon herself is the one who said to several people, seemingly multiple times, she gave like the checklist of things that have gone wrong and also said that John doesn't want her to talk. And either of those are not good, but both of them together are quite bad. I know, I know. And especially like if you're pursuing someone like Shannon, who is so bold and who is quite literally living her life on a reality show and then to sort of put parameters around her discussing your relationship when you yourself have participated in many a scene just seems like so shitty and oppressive. And I hate that Shannon even for one second has bended to his alleged demands of not speaking about him or their relationship in, I'm assuming what he would consider a negative light, but it's like, you're on a reality show. You have to like live your life authentically, talk about what's going on in your life. Like if you didn't want that life, don't date a real housewife of Orange County, John. Or maybe John is thinking to himself, this is the perfect person to date because she's not going to put up boundaries that um, won't enable me to cross them. Like she's she is in a position where she will figure out a way to adapt to circumstances that I might have a role in that are irreparably toxic like Shannon is the perfect person to date in that sense he's going to get on TV he's going to get enjoy the bells and whistles and maybe the financial windfalls that come from being with someone who's making a significant income and also has the priceless scent of celebrity and also is going to stay in a situation that's toxic ultimately like he is doing a lot of things that elicit warning bells and unlike parts of a conversation about Jen which there has been a conversation of like is she staying with Ryan because 
I think this is something that Tamara has said, so like grain of salt, but also grain of truth, that maybe Jen is aware that Ryan, genuinely, that Ryan is not a good guy, but feels the need to stay with him for the storyline. Not that the storyline is like you're dating a piece of shit, but that she is seen having a romantic partner and talking about that. Like that's what makes it so layered and kind of confusing and also to me incredibly interesting when it comes to the Jen and Tam dynamic. And with Shan, I don't think that's really what's happening here. I think that Shannon really doesn't know how to see herself except in a relationship. But even then it's like so much worse. Yeah. I wonder what like a single Shan would be like if she really allowed herself to like lean into that and to celebrate that. I, Cause I don't think she, whenever she's been single, it's been, I don't think she's really, well, I will say when I was with her at the quiet woman, mm. she was getting lots of attention from men really oh yeah when she i would like shannon Medora at the quiet woman there's nothing quite like it like because we were there with taylor and Tamara too but it's shannon's playground and everyone just was so excited to see her at this like historical landmark <laughs> that she has made so so popular um yeah like fans and men just were crowded around her the whole time like by the time our shoot wrapped up the, i think it was a guy and his friend had sort of like cozied up into our booth and they were interested i mean taylor and Tamara are both married but i don't think they knew that or cared but their attention was like fully focused on shannon and then she i think at one point sort of like brushed them off and went over here and met a new guy and she was just like bouncing around so she does like have it in her to be a fun single and ready to mingle kind of gal and then of course david bedore showed up later in the night which i wasn't i wasn't there to see oh my god i actually i went to um to javier's again after i went with uh emily gina and heather i went to javier's again like maybe like three or four weeks later and i went with my fiance and david bedore was there with leslie the like Woman on again, used- off again, on again, off again, on again, yeah, they, off again, wife. Yeah, they I think they've like tried to divorce each other like 20 times by now. Right. But yeah. Um anyways, I don't know where I was going with that, but seeing <laughs> seeing David Bedore at Javier's and seeing Shannon living her best life at the Quiet Woman were both really memorable experiences. I'll bet they were. And I also love the idea of Shannon like being in full control of herself and in like sort of full glory and, you know, sassing about the quiet woman. But the other part of that that I think of is like, okay, there's a camera crew here. People, a lot of people know who she is. And so the caliber of men who are sidling up to her, what kind of attention are they looking for? Are they looking for the attention that Shannon can give them? Or are they looking for what Shannon represents? You know what? That's a that's a good point because yeah, that that was for a page six shoot, and we had cameras around. And before they came over and snuck into our booth, they saw that there were two cameras and big bright lights. And yeah, I mean, that makes sense. 
And who better to potentially take down a couple notches in the way that you think you can than a toxic piece of shit man who knows that his his lady, his partner, his girlfriend, whomever she, whatever role um, she has in their relationship, what can I do to level the playing field? Because God forbid she's the one that has the a role of power um, or some seeming inequity in our relationship because she might be making more money. She's certainly more famous. One could say she's more publicly adored, at least known. I mean, not everybody is a Shan Stan, which I refuse to acknowledge except for moments like just right now. But I mean, if I was a toxic piece of shit, I would be thinking, what can I do to make her feel bad so I can my I can as a result rise to some level of goodness like the cost is going to be shan but i don't think john gives a shit like i don't think he he cares like that is how he is sort of leveling control and uh, potentially but i mean seemingly obviously if you ask several people in the cast they might not be thinking about it through the lens of power dynamics but they are thinking about it through the lens of like this relationship is not good yeah, it's interesting, like, before any of this season played out is when I did the big shoot with the whole Orange County cast. Mm-hmm. And I asked Shannon about her breakup with John. And she, with uh, sort of a, a co-sign from Taylor and Tamara, everyone agreed that it was just bickering. It was just bickering. They, they couldn't stop bickering <laughs> is what they chalked it up to. Um, so it's, like, interesting that it was characterized as bickering when it was really maybe body shaming, <laughs> you know, like it was at the table. It was just like, Oh, it's just bickering. Like whatever. Like, eh. but then she did very like emphatically say we are never, ever going to get back together. Like Taylor Swift style. Mm. And then cut to we're still hanging out. <laughs> yeah. And I'm with his kids. And say what? And fighting with his kids. I think it's on Watch What Happens talking about how like she and the daughter like still don't get along or it's it's not a great dynamic and it is one of these moments of like I wonder more I would wonder how Shannon is feeling in those moments because during that fight between Jen and Tamara, she was pretty silent. I mean, she looked uncomfortable, but also that's like one of those things of like who do I stand up for in this dynamic? Like Tamara, who I am working on my friendship with and seem to be in like a solid place and I don't want to turn her to turn her ire against me or Jen, who I might feel like is getting too much of the heat. But if she's getting the heat, then John and I are not. So that's sort of the uh, uh, the tension that can happen in these group dynamics, especially when it comes down to why are you staying in this bad relationship? And does that make you a liar? Do you predict that Shannon and John will, will ever like get back together publicly? And like, she'll be like, yes, we're back together. Like, what do you think that's that'll happen? I totally could. Yeah. I mean, we're sort of skirting it right now. They seemingly like absolutely 100% did break up. He gave a statement to people, which was... So that's an indicator of who John is, by the way. And they didn't talk for several months per Shan, and I believe her. And then they started talking again and hanging out. And we assume like stooping. So do I think that 
what other reason aside from just sort of taking up time would there be for them to discuss for them to like hang out and talk to each other but for you know just kind of like circling each other and getting a sense of um what is it that i miss i mean i'm sure that they have fun together i'm sure that there's that too but like i don't know it's ideally any kind of long-standing romantic relationship has some sort of foundation of friendship and i don't know that a person who's like body shaming me and telling me i'm not allowed to share my feelings and like whatever else is conditions of our relationship is being a particularly nice friend that's so true uh i hope shannon can just shake him off for a little bit i don't know she was with david for 150 years although I mean, it sounds like it's almost impossible to shake off David. I don't think David wants to shake off himself. He likes to hang on to her boys. Truly. And, you know, when it comes to this whole Jen Ryan thing, like, obviously, Tamara is saying she believes he was cheating on her with this person while they were dating, which is against what Jen herself said, that they were on a Ross and Rachel style break. And... I mean, the fact that he was like sexting her or saying flirty stuff about like whatever the fuck while they were together and Jen's like, I know that, that's not a great indicator here that this man has changed. Also, wasn't there like a thing about like he he sent the dick pic to someone because that was like the only other contact in his phone or something like that? Like. Yeah, that he only had like four other people in his phone or something. It was very odd. This man is like, it's not a burner phone. I assume he can afford to have like a regular Verizon contract. Like, I don't know why he only had four contacts. I assume one of them was Jen. I. It's just, it's very, he's so unfortunate. Like he's so, he's such a joke. And it just makes me feel like Jen, like, you know, Maybe this was like our getting to know you season, but like you really don't need to stay with him for us if that's why you're doing this. Like you do not need this man to be on the show. We like you on the show. I really do like Jen like a lot. Like I think that she has what it takes to not be a one and done. Like I, I think that she has some longevity here. I, I I love the complicated dynamic with Tamara and it seems like she has built really genuine friendships with Taylor. I think that even she and Gina have come to a better place after the whole, you know, cheating situation triggered Gina. I don't know. I, I think she's a good fit for the group. I also, whenever I spend time with a housewife and she's nice to me, I just kind of like her and I spend some time <laughs> with Jen and all it, it, it does not take much. You just have to, I don't know, t- tell me I'm pretty or give me a free yoga class and you're good in my book. So, um, yeah, I really like her. I did not meet Ryan though. So I I mean, that's the thing with these women is that like they're so charismatic. They're a reason that they've been cast on reality TV, including people who you might think are like the villains, quote unquote, of a certain franchise. Ultimately, you meet many of these people in person in real life, albeit usually at some sort of like press or network event, and they're on their best behavior. And part of their best behavior is being really engaging and really interesting to talk about. Like it's not just men thinking maybe of of like a romantic or stupping or something that 
is a, a, a level of attraction. Like the rules of attraction for housewives is seemingly never ending. Like there's a reason that some of these women who you might love to shit on in talking about housewives are also delightful to engage with in real life or even delightful to drag online. Like there's something about them that makes them particularly special and specific to this universe. And it's like, it's just one of those things with Jen. I just like, I really wish, I really wish she could see the light. But what I'm really interested in is like, has she already, you know, like, is she aware of this? She might not be. She might just genuinely be like, he's the guy. He's the guy I want to be with now. And I want to prove everyone wrong. And it's like, I don't know. Have you spoken with yourself? Like, I don't know who ultimately is going to lose in all of this, but it is to me really fascinating. Yeah. I know it'll be interesting to see how it plays out with her and Ryan. It was so funny as you were saying, like even the most villainous reality stars and person can be so charismatic and delightful to engage with. And speaking of Shannon and that point, I I think it was last year we did like a some sort of like Sunday fun day we ho gay outing boozy brunch situation. Ooh. With, with uh I was with a group of uh gay YA novel writers. It was a really cool. fun day. Um and we spent the day at Pump and we got a little toasted and then we're like walking down Santa Monica Boulevard and we pass uh, high tops which is a really popular gay bar on the strip and in the sea of tank top and booty short wearing gays there was shannon Vador and kelly dodd and oh my god kelly shannon's fun yeah and sits in in a, a moment like that kelly dodd has some interesting beliefs views morals and political affiliations that make you question why are you hanging out with <laughs> all the gays um but she was just bouncing around the gays were so excited to see her and engage with her she was glowing she like it was like even in that moment despite all the like crap she said of all the like transphobic social media posts in that moment, the gays were excited to see her and hang out with her and be with her. And it's just like, yeah, it's, I feel like the, um, like you kind of described it earlier, that priceless scent of celebrity just is so intoxicating no matter, like even, do you know what's so funny? I was, I worked in the New York office this past week and we, uh, you know, unfortunately are, are not share an office with Fox News. Um, and Danny and I were walking out to grab coffee and in the in the vestibule with us is Kellyanne Conway. And <gasps> at first I didn't reckon I was like, wait, why do I know this woman? Because you don't like hear about Kellyanne Conway a lot these days. And I was like, why? why do I know this woman? Um, and then once I realized it was Kellyanne Conway, I was like, oh my God, it's Kellyanne Conway. You know, like it's like it's so weird when you see a celebrity in person, they could be the most hated person on the planet and the most vile human in the universe but like there's like something about like seeing or being around a celebrity that just like does something to people and um i don't know really what the point i was trying to make but when you were explaining kind of that speaking to that point i was thinking of kelly dodd in the sea of gays and then 
me in the vestibule with Kelly and Conway and how, you know, both moments are, are truly nightmares. But in that, <laughs> I, the, for a second, you're like, oh my God, sorry. Like, you know what I mean? I remember even like I caught eye contact as we were walking by the bar with Kelly Dot. Like we, we locked eyes and I didn't scowl. I probably smiled. I mean, it's, it's, it is one of those odd moments of like, what do you do in this situation and this dynamic? I mean, I remember meeting Ann Coulter at Fox several years ago because a friend of mine was going on TV to debate her. And I said, I would like to come with you, please, because I'm a longtime political comms nerd and thought it would be fascinating to be on set and just kind of like watching this happen. And, and it was and met her after. And it was like, you're meeting to me, just my personal opinion is like, I'm meeting, you know, a Disney version of like a supervillain. So it was one of those things of like, oh my God, you're a real person. Like you exist in this world. It was fascinating. And the Kelly Dodd of it all, I mean, like she's very engaging. She's very charismatic. I remember meeting and getting the chance to chat with her before BravoCon in 2019, well before any of the social and her conversations and everything else started to happen. It was the day after Rick had proposed. And I think they were both there. And the night before BravoCon and Pet Shop Boy was hosting a sort of pre-BravoCon event. It was her and Bronwyn and Emily. And um, there were several people there. And she was really charming. And there's a reason that she was so successful as she was for so long, because she is really charismatic. She is really charming. And I bet she is also a lot of fun. And the irony with referencing Shannon is that like she and Shannon are now engaged in this sort of like quasi-public battle with each other of just their sort of nemeses of each other and it does kind of give an indicator in the housewives universe where regardless of a person's political beliefs or ideology it's just like these friendships and battles can go so back and forth in a minute it's sometimes hard to like take a breath especially if one of these people is on housewives and one of these people is not and like lord knows there was a little bit of that i think just taking a beat that surely had to happen in Salt Lake City when it came to all things Jen. And now Monica is there with her history and stories and fucking her sister-in-law's husband and getting excommunicated while he is not and hysterically crying over a Louis Vuitton and trying to make that a part of her personality at the airport and there's a lot because it's like you do also remember the history of Jen Shaw of like this incredibly toxic energy. And also for many people, Salt Lake City right now feels like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying the new season and I'm really enjoying Monica. I find her to be a lot of fun. I mean, for all the reasons you <laughs> just pointed out, she it has been giving in the first two episodes i think she i think she's a good addition i hope she has what it takes to stick around i'm excited to hear about more of these secrets that she allegedly has like just locked in her in her little housewife bolt yeah i think she's learned a lot of the lessons of jen honestly and so as much as she says that you know she was potentially a witness and i there's i i don't believe that she's lying i'm sure there's an element there of truth i also think like yeah you you know, 
refuse to do things that Jen asked of you. And thank God, because those were crimes. But also, I mean, when it came to understanding what it means to be a housewife in this world, I think she went to the Jen Shaw, you know, school of plans, not in any way having anything to do with any kind of criminal activity, but certainly in the way of like figuring out what secrets to believe and which ones to share regardless that I would think is going to come up. I just, you know, I saw clips of that moment of that like reveal with um, her talking to her mom. And I first off had no idea that the Louis Vuitton was in reference to the cast. I sort of thought it had something to do with her ex's family in some way. I just kind of like thought that might be the case in my head. But also the fact that she fucked her brother-in-law. Like I gasped and I don't know why this was the most surprising part of it. I really, I don't have an explanation that will make sense, but the fact that it was not her husband's brother, but her husband's sister's spouse. I don't know why there's like, obviously either way it would be terrible, but for some reason to me that made it so much worse. Cause I was like, okay, from like, you're cheating on your husband and also betraying. But you're not your just breaking up your marriage. Like, yeah, like she's essentially like breaking up two marriages. Well, I mean, I, and it's like, yes, for her marriage, certainly her affair led to their divorce. Now, when it comes to this other guy, that's on him. That's not yeah. on her. But right. the thing that was like it to me, what was so wild about it was like, this is your sister-in-law. I don't know. It was like giving me shades of like. Cheat me. Like there was just something about it where I was like, oh, my God, the level of sort of betrayal there, just because it's like your sister-in-law, it's like it's someone that you seemingly probably know really well, that mm. it wasn't a stranger. It was like someone that's that you are, I would assume, and it's a huge assumption on my part, just that you would seemingly be so connected to. That That is the thing that I found so shocking. I don't know why. I don't know I don't why. Know. I mean, it, it it's it's definitely uncomfy. But did we did we get like a sense of whether she like hated her sister in law? Because that could have been it too. She could have been like, I don't like this bitch, so I don't care. I don't. That's a great question, and it's something that I'm sure Andy is going to bring up at the reunion because it was just kind of thrown out there and then call it a day. I mean, I feel like we spent more time on the purse than we did the affair. I'm sure right. that that will come up on the reunion and I assume that you know if she's back for another season or even just doing media that that's going to come up but I was like I mean regardless of who it was if it was brother who whomever was involved it is um shocking as is the fact that she was excommunicated but this man that she was having an affair with was not I mean men am I right like hello the misogyny right that's kind of crazy and really disappointing but not surprising (laughs) It, I mean, there was a lot of this episode that was like fascinating. I couldn't believe that Trixie Mattel was actually there. I could not believe it. I was so shocked and delighted. I don't know that Trixie watches Housewives. She, I know she's re- she's really tight with Whitney Meredith. Oh, wait, okay. Yeah, which was like which was interesting, but I guess she's tight with a few of them because Meredith sort of facilitated that, but. Yeah, I think Trixie's like sort of like a little into the housewives, mm. not like fully. But anyways, I love that crossover. And I did find it really surprising that um, Bravo would include someone who is so uh, 
Viacom. Yes. Present. You know, um, that I thought that was really interesting, but really cool. And like the Trixie Motel is a great filming location. So beautiful. So cute. Oh my god, it looks like a fantasy land. I was immediately intoxicated and like, oh my god, I need to get there immediately. I, I assume it's essentially impossible to book. Right. No, I want to look into that. It's Palm Springs, right? Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if we're. Um, it looks like a cute spot to do photos. I'm getting married in Palm Springs in November. I wonder if we could like do photos there. Oh my god, you 100 percent have to. That would be. Inc- do you think like the weekend of the wedding, or do you think in advance of like doing engagement photos? I don't know. Maybe like the weekend of the wedding, we hired a photographer and like she's down to like pop around all over Palm Springs and like take photos wherever. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we could figure something out. But our suits are like a very dark green, almost black. So I don't Ooh. know. What the pink vibe? I don't know. Oh, wait, but that could still that would just be incredible because it's just like the or you could do like a day after brunch or something if that was allowed or like swing by for like cocktails or something. That would be like incredibly sweet. I think I think yeah, that would right. be great. That'd be so cute. Um, so what's what do you feel about? I mean, you're enjoying Salt Lake City so far. We're seeing a lot of changes in dynamics, allegedly repairing between Whitney and Heather, you know, um, Meredith and Lisa seemingly are doing better than they have in many years what do you attribute that to is that only a sense of production pressure alone or do you think that these women are genuinely interested in repairing fractured relationships i think that they're i think that they're interested in repairing their relationships maybe with a little bit of pressure from production just because if they don't repair their relationships like we can't keep watching the same conflict over and over and production inspired or not i'm really happy to see meredith and lisa come to a better place it just kind of feels good i i I feel like we can all breathe a little bit easier now i don't know just, I, I like them together i think they have like a really fun dynamic and i don't the the coffee meetup and meredith's special blue pants and the feathers and, and the mm-hmm. like i just it was a good moment. I liked it. And I know that um, Whitney and Lisa really get into it later on this season. So I think maybe that dynamic created space for Lisa and Meredith to explore a reconciliation. Um, and probably because Lisa and Heather, although they've you know been cordial for a bit, they don't love each other. I think at at their cores, it doesn't seem like they truly do. Um, so I think that if Lisa and Whitney face conflict, that also creates space for Whitney and Heather to rebuild their relationship. So, yeah, it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Exactly. And um, I have to say, like, even if it was sort of um proposed to them by whomever you're gonna film lisa you will be filming with meredith today meredith you will be filming with lisa to have some coffee and a walk i found myself i started watching that scene in that moment i was like oh this does not feel real and then i was like oh love it phenomenal (laughs) so happy it's here like it's i'm so it it feels like a weight has been lifted i think that there genuinely is a lot of affection that these women have for each other and they just sort of we're at a point where they're like okay we fucked with each other long enough like let's just it it has to be yeah and those kinds of like 
arguments and feuds are so exhausting in ordinary life to but to carry that over into filming and having hundreds of thousands of people have opinions on what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong and the character of the person that you're fighting with I mean it's just it has to be unbelievably tiring at a certain point so I I was really really happy to see it and I also thought the preview for next week of like Meredith speaking in tongue when she's like losing her shit with Angie was Angie right losing her shit with Angie uh was delightful and I loved that Lisa was there to console her at least listen I was extremely here for it it might be Angie's best work is to do whatever dumb shit she did to piss Meredith off I mean god bless it's so good I I love it Meredith is really killing it in these first few seasons too I mean just the way she said vagina like I will never it is it was so so good and getting upset about the disrespect to her bathtub i mean like there's like a a little piece of me that thinks she knows what she was doing in that moment but regardless i'm obsessed i'm so obsessed oh i totally think she knew what she was doing but it's also like okay engage like here you are you're engaging you're not disengaging and we like it and also you know she had so much time spent with her son and God bless Brooks Marks in a Brooks Marks collection tracksuit. Would love to have one. Um, Do not. I do not, but would love for that to take place. I'm happy to see her at least so far. We're only two episodes in or however many episodes in. Is it two? It feels like I think five. just two, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Um, But even with just a couple episodes in, it's nice to see her establishing time and relationships and dynamics with the women who are actually in the cast because we want to see family dynamics, but I don't want that to replace the friendship or complicated friendships that should be examined within the actual um, cast. I think that's important. So I'm I'm happy to see her at least like attempting to repair things with Lisa, who P.S., that $60,000 ring, I was shocked that more of these women weren't horrified at losing us. Everybody was like, oh, my God, Lisa's like yelling. How crazy are you? I That would ruin me for the rest of my life. I have ruined myself over so much less, over losing oh, so much less. 100%. Like, uh, yeah, I would be absolutely devastated. And like, even for a housewife, $60,000 is a lot of money. That's a season one salary. That is, a, that is a season one salary. Also, I was very into Mary being like, can't you just get over it? Because Mary has no concept of money because Mary doesn't work for money. Mary does other things uh-huh. involving other people's money that I'm sure will no long, will never be examined again because I think that they met their quota with discussing Jen Shaw's fraud. So no other fraud can ever go on. But what are you talking about? The Lord provides. <laughs> The Lord does provide and the Lord doesn't make you work for it in the ways that it does other people in the cast. So it, it that to me was a moment where I was like, of course, Mary wouldn't get it because she has no concept of income and of what it takes, I think, to sort of respect money. She just things just magically appear. Right. And can you imagine how many $60,000 rings she's lost in that closet? I mean, $60,000, I feel like that's a bargain. It's like Filene's bargain bargain basement based on like random fucking couture that's probably rolled up in bags. I mean, my God, the terror of it all. Yeah, I, but also like Mary was so funny and finding the time to call um, 
Trixie, the Trixie Motel and ask about or or reply with horror that they serve, God forbid, pizza. What is this disgusting food sitting next to her son who she seemingly hasn't asked, you know, if she is actually a mother-in-law and also a mom. It was fascinating. Truly a delightful journey. Delightful. I mean, I'm glad she's back. I missed it. She's best in small doses and not to compare her to Vicky, but I think both of them have the you you're getting the best for them and for us by not having them be full time. I don't think a full time role would make a lot of sense. And I think that, you know, Mary does her best work in small doses. Totally. Yeah. Just drag the girls and go home. Call it a day. Truly. Listen, I don't ever want to call this conversation a day, but we have had some chats. We mentioned it all prior to the recording, and I'm sure we'll do a little bit more of that once the recording is done. Um, Evan Real, can you tell the AGs what you've got cooking, anything coming up, um, and where folks can follow you on social and listen to your incredible pod? Yeah, so uh, Danny and I just dropped our full pod with Heidi and Spencer today, Friday. So you can listen to that. That was a really good time. And we are recording right now on Heidi's birthday. So it is a holy day. And just <laughs> not just because of Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, it's a holy exactly. Day for, for Jews everywhere, but also for yes. Spidey fans. Honey and apples <laughs> for Heidi, too. Um, so yeah, this, the full Spidey podcast is out. And then. Trying to think what else we have coming up. Oh, next week we're talking to Vinny from the Jersey Shore again. Oh, great. He is on um, All Star Shore, which is the competition show that brings together people from all the different Jersey Shore iterations across the world, like Brazil and and stuff. So that'll be fun. And then, yeah, I have um, this really special interview coming out. soon that we we discussed earlier and we can um talk about that <laughs> offline <laughs> later and i'm sure people can read or see or whatever that special piece will be by following you on social and what is your social handle in order to make that happen it's at evan real and um yeah so see see what's going on over there and then new episodes of uh, mine and Danny's podcast, Virtual Reality, uh, typically drop Thursdays with bonus episodes scattered on Fridays and Tuesdays. So we're always doing something. Love it. And speaking of doing something, that Fuckboy Fall Patreon episode will be up this weekend. You can listen to it exclusively on the Andy's Girls Patreon. Number one way to support the pod at patreon.com slash Girls. Send me your satchels of gold, your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns named in honor for holiness, Kelly Clore and Ben Simone about all things Atlanta, New York, Orange County and Salt Lake by sliding into my DMs on Instagram. Please include your first name in town. And of course, my handle there is at Dame Galley. Oh, my God. Evan Real. Happy Rosh Hashanah. Shana Tova. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Happy Heidi Montag's birthday. <laughs> happy Heidi Montag's birthday. Really, truly a, a happy new year to Heidi and Spencer <laughs> and all of my fellow Mazel Tovs. Um, thanks so much, Evan, for joining and to all of you for listening. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Mother's Day is almost here. 
and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.